glorious, victorious. Mm. Well, as you're sitting down, uh, grab your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, we should have some people coming around with the Bible. We're big about the Bible around here, not just talking about it, but having eyes in it. There's nothing that pleases a pastor more than seeing people with their Bibles open on their lap, eyes engaged, and hearts behind it. So Philippians chapter 4. Well, Harvest, we've been uh, on quite a summer journey together. Uh, We have been on a uh, many colors, many stripes, but one journey together through uh, the book of Philippians. And uh, we are coming to the end. In fact, after today, next Sunday, we're wrapping up the book of Philippians. I'm really excited because Josh Nipp, Pastor Harvest Bloomington, is going to be here next Sunday and bringing the word and wrapping up the book of Philippians for us. Looking forward to that. Uh, Turn into Philippians chapter 4. Getting there? Um, I just, as we get started here, one of the things I just kind of a personal note, uh, have these last few weeks just seemed really intense to you? Um, (laughs) They sure have for me. And uh, in fact, in many ways, I just feel poured out. And in many ways, as a result of that, I know when I'm poured out, you're oftentimes feeling poured on. And, uh, but God is at work and I thank you. I love you guys. And just God is at work. And yet, and yet in it all, there's just times we need to rest. Um, I need that today. You need that today. And Philippians, the text we're in, just provides that. Ah, Bear with me. So we're just going to rest. In fact, we've got four reminders of what things to rest in. All four of these, in some way, we've already talked about. Uh, but we're just going to savor them together. Today's going to be a little bit different together. And so we're just going to absorb, kind of catch up and enjoy these passages. And I want to start with the first reminder. In fact, what's the very first word in chapter 4, verse 4? Rejoice. rejoice. Okay, let's talk about, by the way, that's rejoice. Okay, got the idea? Now, think about this word here for a couple minutes, because here's the deal. This word is so much like many of the other words, verbs, I've been talking about through this whole series. Once again, we come across a verb that is a present active imperative verb. Harvest uh, Kentucky North, we do Greek around here. Um, (laughs) And this is a present active imperative plural verb. Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because of this. The you there isn't talking about you singular. It's talking about you all. Paul is writing to a church, a group of people, and he's saying, hey, you all, it's all wrapped up in the one Greek word here under rejoice. He's saying, you all, you must be doing something. It's a directive. It's an imperative. I'm telling you to do it. You must do this, and you must do it presently, actively, and continuously. It's not just something that you did in the past. It's not something to do in the future. Don't just do it once, but do it all the time. Harvest. We must always, presently, actively, continuously being a people that rejoices. And oh Lord, does this world need people who rejoice. Okay? Because there's a lot to get bummed about. About rejoicing people. Hey, I want to note this. Uh, rejoicing is, comes out of knowledge. So often we think it's a, it's a feeling-oriented thing. It's not. rejoicing is a knowledge-driven thing. In fact, I can prove it. Hey, everybody, Peyton Manning is signed with the Colts. Uh, See? 
Now, why was the woo? The woo was because of this. That's a good thing for the team. That's a good thing for Indianapolis. That comes out of knowledge. I also say this, if it's a kind of thing to where it's like, hey, I had a good sale this last week at work. And it's like, excellent. Why? The reason why we rejoice is because that sale is good for the company. It's good for me. There's a lot of work that's been put into it. It's going to help me financially from it. And woo, rejoice. I also say this, Karen Helmer loves me. (laughs) You know I need it. (laughs) But here's the thing, man, that's a great thing for me. Man, I rejoice in that. Uh, Rejoicing is a knowledge-driven reality. In fact, look at it. It says rejoice. Where do we rejoice? Where's the knowledge? In the Lord. We're not just people that walk around going, rejoice, (laughs) whatever. We're people that walk around rejoicing in the Lord. That's who we rejoice out of. It's not necessarily about a good day. It's not about money. It's not about inner peace. It's not about health. It's not about feeling happy. Hey, when those things are coming together, that's fine. But the text here is talking about rejoice in the Lord. That's the place where we're supposed to rejoice. That's the knowledge. Think of this. If God is little to you, if you have little knowledge of God, uh, Jesus came, Jesus was God in the flesh, and that's kind of just a cool story. I grew up hearing that, and, you know, I believe there's a God. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to have a little rejoicing. But when you come to understand, as you know, here at Harvest, I just love Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, because it just puts it all back together. Oh, my goodness. You and I, individuals separated from God because of sin, completely separated. In fact, the text tells us that we are heirs of the prince of the power of the air. That's not God. And we're in sin. We're not stuck there. We actually want to be there. The text really contains within the verbiage of it. But verse four, but God, but God came in my sad situation, in my desperate situation. God in his grace came in love for me out out of doing for me what I could not do for myself. And he provided the opportunity for redemption. And by receiving Jesus Christ and what he has done for me, I can be redeemed back to him and from the pit of despair to a child of God. Get that one. And that's what you end up in. It's not only am I a child of God and that's it and I'm waiting, but no, 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 I'm imitating while awaiting. We talked about a couple weeks ago. And I'm one who is growing in Christ and there's hope now. And it's like, I am a child of God. If you know Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. Live it. There's nothing better. None of this, oh crud, I gotta be a Christian. There's stuff I can't do. What? A child of God redeemed. A child of God, rejoice, okay? That's what it, rejoice in the Lord. Oh, how often are we supposed to do it? Look at the text, rejoice in the Lord, how often? Always. Uh, always. That's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot, uh, always, not just when the circumstances are in line, not just when I'm feeling good, but always. By the way, how often are we to rejoice in the Lord? Wow. And in case we aren't getting this, look, what does it say next? Again, <laughs> Again. hey, this is for us guys. We're slow sometimes. Guys, hey, 
In case he didn't get the first part of it again, he brings in another present, active, imperative, plural verb. Hey, rejoice in the Lord. Get the picture? That's who we're supposed to be. And you know what? I think always could include right now, don't you? So you know what? We're going to do that. We're going to rejoice. That's why they're staying up here. We're going to sing some songs. Okay? So here's the deal. None of this leave your problems at the door. That's baloney. Bring them right in here. This is the place where we bring them. So all of life, the goods, the blessings, the problems, the struggles, the conflicts of life, right here, right now. And guess what? We're going to take a couple songs and we're going to lift it all to the Lord. Rejoice. Let me read Psalm 150 and then we're going to sing. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise God. Go ahead and grab a seat, grab your Bible. Uh, by the way, what are we supposed to be doing? Rejoicing. And rejoice in what? And rejoice in the Lord. How often are we supposed to rejoice in the Lord? Always. You guys, in case you didn't for, uh, remember it, what are we supposed to do? Always. Hey, listen, what we just did, that doesn't make the whole week. Understand? This is trying to get you started for the week of rejoicing. Uh, let's rejoice. Second. Uh, reminder to rest in. Let's pray. Uh, look at verses 5 through 7. Verses 5 through 7. Uh, let your reasonableness, uh, by the way, your is plural. Let all of your church, let your reasonableness, let, let your, uh, uh, your genuine humility be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Oh, by the way, the Lord is at hand. Uh, not talking, I believe, not so much talking about his return, talking about his presence. Friends, the Lord is at hand. The Lord's at hand. The Lord is here. Wow. The Lord is present. The Lord is at hand. Therefore, I inserted that, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Wow, that's an amazing reality. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your plural minds in Christ Jesus. Let's kind of sum it up this way. Have a humble graciousness about you, church. Have a patience that endures injustice without retaliation, without bitterness, without vengeance. Live that way. You are living in the presence of the Lord. Rejoice. And because we're in the presence of the Lord, we rejoice. But not only do we rejoice because we're in the presence of the Lord, but also here. Listen, this is we all need to hear this. We don't have to be anxious. Not because it's just a cute, nice thought, but because God is present. 
Therefore, we don't have to be anxious. Don't be anxious. Instead, replace it with something. Pray. Take your anxiety to the table of the ever-present Lord. We've talked about prayer around here is taking it to the table. Think about it. We have the opportunity to go before the presence of the Father and the Son and the Spirit with a word. And we, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a seat. Oh, by the way, God doesn't come down to our seat. God has allowed us to come up to his table. Uh, I'm shaking. Okay? Uh, we're not talking Santa Claus's lap. We're talking the Trinity and the word of God all there at the table of which we can go to. Amazing. Take it there. Petition him there and treat it there and leave it there. Thanking him for it all. That's the place of peace. By the way, the peace that's being talked about here, you know, it's today in our culture, we're like, I just feel so at peace. Oh. This is a thinking peace. This is, I'm thinking this through. It's a place, it's a blow your mind in the hands of God place. That's the big God place, church. That's the place of prayer. That's the place to be. The Lord is at hand. Pray. By the way, could, uh, could that praying include right now? Hmm. I think so. I think it could. So how about we do that? Uh, friends, let's go to the ever-present Lord right now. Lord, just a simple reminder here today, and it's kind of all I'm taking this to, is you're present. That means you see every one of us. You know what's going on in our heart. You know the things going on in our head. You know the struggles. You know the real joys going on right now. You know exactly what we're thinking about you. You know exactly what we need to have a better thinking about you. God, we're here among the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and we have the Word of God, your words. We're at the table. I'm just going to ask with your eyes closed and heads bowed that just take a moment here and let's just pray individually. Take some time of silence and prayer. Just kind of keeping this feel right here, right now at this moment. I'm just going to ask if husbands, wives, families, if you just turn to each other and by yourself fine if there's some friends next to you, you want to we're just going to take a minute here and just pray together and i just ask maybe just again couples or families just circle around one of you just leading some prayer here just rejoicing thanking god and praying for one another and let's just kind of let the sweet sound of this overriding god's people praying let's just savor that would you just kind of turn and just 
pray with someone who's there if, if uh, you're comfortable doing that. We pray all of these things in the precious, beautiful, wonderful, crucified, risen, redeeming Savior. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's be a people that rejoices. Let's be a people that prays. Third, let's be a people that thinks. Uh, look at verse 8. Uh, finally, brothers, finally, sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Hey, Christianity is for thinking people. Following Jesus Christ is a thinker's life. Think. Think about. means to consider, to dwell on. I actually like this, to calculate out. Oh, by the way, guess what? This word is a present, active, imperative, plural verb. This is just scattered throughout this whole book. That means we all must presently, continuously, all the time, we must be thinking this. We must. It's all the time. Uh, the fact is, thinking takes effort. Uh, a thinker's life only happens on purpose. Uh, do you float or feel your way through life? I just want to tell you, if that's the case, you're going to experience a lot of pain in life. I'm not saying that a thinker doesn't, but thinking is God's way to live through life. I'm not saying take away emotions. I'm just saying we think. The thinking drives ourselves. 2 Corinthians 10.5, take every thought captive. How, how many thoughts? Every thought. That thought Take it captive when you think about it. What does it mean to take something captive? Grab a hold and, and, and set it, contain it, confine it, and what am I going to do with it? That's what it means. That means take it captive. Grab it, take it, and take it where we're supposed to go. Where are we supposed to take it? Well, we run it through this grid. It gives us the grid here. Number one, whatever is true. Uh-oh, first, we live in a whatever is uh, you think is true, is true world. Ugh. That is just insanity. I'm just telling you, think about that. Oh, yeah, think about it. Yeah, think about that. Whatever you think is true is true. Hey, listen, I might think it's true, but guess what? It might not be true. Just because I think it's true doesn't mean it's true. In fact, the reality is, in this kind of thinking, this is all self-idolatry. I am making myself God. I say that's true. So it's true. That means I am the truth definer. Question, who establishes truth? This is like Sunday school class, isn't it? 
Jesus, okay, kind of thing. But it's true. Listen, God is the one who's true. And how do we know what God thinks? Right here. This is truth. By the way, the scriptures tell us what truth is. But before I get there, let me just tell you two little things here. Kind of combining it with that, we just touched on anxiety a little bit ago. This is interesting, relating to thinking. Uh, A Dr. Walter Calvert did a study of the things people worry about. He knows that 40% of the things people worry about never happen. 30% of worries are about the past. 12% are needless worries about our health. I think I'm having a heart attack. Just kidding. Kidding. Uh, (laughs) 10% of our worries are insignificant or petty concerns. That means 8% of our worries are legitimate. (laughs) But what does the scripture say? Don't be anxious. Why? Because God is present. That's why he worried about the weather. He worried about his health. He worried about his business. He worried about his wealth. She worried about the children. She worried about her clothes. She worried about the neighbors. She worried about her woes. They worried about their taxes. They worried about their pets. They worried about their future. They worried about their debts. They worried. Still they worried. They worried, but alas, they worried about a lot of things, 92% of which did not come to pass. We worry about a lot of stuff. How much effort does we put our thinking in? Instead, we're to think things that are true. Worry is about this kind of stuff. Jesus states in John 8, 44, Satan is a liar and a deceiver. Jeremiah 17, 9, I'll put it this way. I don't even need Satan on me because my own heart is deceitful, Jeremiah 9 says, 17, 9 says. James 4, 1 tells us that our desires are battling within us. We have a massive battle taking place. So what are you and I, what are we supposed to think? How about this? 1 John 5, 6, the Holy Spirit is truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. And Christ prays in John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Friends, it's not about what you and I think. Frankly, that's pretty irrelevant. We're called to align our thinking with what God thinks. That's our task. That's what we're supposed to be about. God's word is true. Align with that. Whatever is true. Second, whatever is honorable. That which is noble. That which is worthy of respect. Not the trivial, temporal, common earthly stuff, but heavenly stuff, noble stuff, worthy of awe and praise stuff. Think that. Think that. And by the way, God's word is honorable. Third, whatever is just. That which is right. That which is in perfect harmony with God's eternal unchanging standards. Uh, I want to make sure you understand. I'm not saying go hide your head in the sand. That's not what we're talking about here. This is a call to set our minds on the things that God thinks. And how do we know what God thinks? In the word. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just. Fourthly, you list here, whatever is pure, that which is clean. 
let me note this, not 80% clean, not 90% pure, 100% pure, 100% undefiled, clean, and pure. I just have a question. Adults, how much cussing is okay for you? How much crassness is okay? How much sexual immorality is okay? What are you talking about, Doug? You know what I'm talking about. Whatever is pure. Is it okay for you to hear and see the things that you're hearing and seeing? The radio, magazines, novels, TV, cable, movies. How much cussing in a movie is acceptable? How much sexual immorality in a movie is okay for you? Seriously, that's the decision that you, you have to make. What are your standards? What about online? Well, Pastor Doug, now you're getting legalistic. Whatever is pure. Five, whatever is lovely, that which is pleasing, that which is beautiful, that which is attractive. Think on that. Think on that. Whatever is commendable, that which is highly regarded, that which is well thought of, that which is worth talking about. It's kind of like, that is such a commendable thing. That's so highly regarded. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. By the way, may I remind us that the word of God is true. The word of God is honorable. The word of God is just. The word of God is pure. The word of God is lovely. The word of God is commendable. Uh, what do we talk about if all those things? I got an idea. How about the word of God? That'd be a great place. By the way, that's why we do small group. I just want some Christian friends. That's great. I want you to have some Christian friends as well. But I just want you to know from our perspective and from God's perspective, uh, that's not the first thing on the list. God wants you to be growing in Christ. That's the first thing on the list. And as we've been talking about, that only is done in a community of people. And that's why we do small groups. And by the way, that's why this fall, the small groups are going to be in a text of Scripture, either on the life of Joseph or the life of David whatever is commendable, seven, whatever is excellent. Man, that is so excellent. Think that. That is such excellent virtue. Just think that. Whatever is worthy of praise, whatever is worth the recognition, whatever is worth receiving my worship, think that. I just, God's people, what are you putting into yourself? What are you putting into yourself? What hearing, what watching, what thinking, what reading? Is it God true? Is it God honorable? Is it God right? Is it God pure? Is it God lovely? Is it God commendable? Is it God excellent? Is it praiseworthy to the Lord? Second Corinthians 10, 5. Take how many thoughts captive? That one too. Every thought, take it captive. Grab it. Proverbs 4, 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. God's people, watch what you put into you. God's people, watch what you're putting out from yourself. How about your speech on your phone? What are you putting out online on social media? 
Remember, God is present. What are you putting out in the hallway, in the cafeteria, in the, around the drinking fountain, around your house? Are you putting out what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy? Doug, that's an awful high standard. I, I get it. I get it. And guess what? I'm held to the same standard that you are. But this is the call, Luke 6, 45, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What have you been thinking about? What have you been dwelling on? Every one of us struggle with this. Every one. There is not a person in this room that does not struggle with their thinking. If the call of this isn't your life at all, I just want to encourage you, confess it. And let's get after replacing it with right thinking. And I would suggest a great place to start hmm, would be in God's word. You kind of getting a theme here today? Pour it on. Hey, let's rejoice, let's pray, let's think, and lastly here as we wrap it up, let's live it. Let's live it. Look at verse 9. Verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And by the way, the word practice, it's a, something that's repeated. It's a continuous action. Hey, the things, in essence, he's saying that you've heard from Paul uh, to the church in Philippi, hey, keep doing those things. Hey, let's rejoice. Keep doing that. Let's pray. Keep doing that. Let's think right. Let's keep doing that. Because those three added up are a life lived if you're like, I want to change some things that are happening and how I live my life, guess what? Go to the first three. Because it's out of the overflow of the mind, out of the overflow of the heart, life is lived. That's what's going on. If living for me looks like, or let me put it this way, who are you living for? If you're living for me, it looks like this. I always rejoice in the comfort times. I'm always rejoicing when things are successful and I'm feeling good. I just want to give you a hint. That's rejoicing in you, not in the Lord. Oh, you rejoice sometimes when it's great, but that's not the key to it. Living in me looks like I, if you will, I pray for my comfort. I pray for my success. I pray for my happiness. I pray for stuff. That's just such a me thing. Living for me looks like I think on me. I dwell on my comfort, on my success, on my happiness. I just dwell on my stuff. Living for Christ simply is this. I rejoice in the plans and the purposes and the work of God. I rejoice in the Lord. Living for Christ looks like I pray that my life would be a life in the hands of the Lord. Oh yeah, that my life would be a tool in the hands of a near and present lord that's what i pray god use me however that's a i'm living for christ reality 
I rejoice in the Lord. I pray my life into the hands of the Lord. And I pursue thinking that which is thinking of the Lord. That which is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent, worthy of praise. Think on that stuff. Think on that stuff. Four reminders to rest in this week. Rest in them. Absorb them in. Take them in. Let's live it out. God, I want to thank you for the time. I just am so grateful for these reminders that you've just put down for us here. I thank you for the opportunity to be reminded. Lord, these reminders are big reminders. These aren't easy. I thank you you've given us your truth. I thank you that from your truth, from your word, that we learn to rejoice. I thank you that you have even called us to rejoice because that's just an interesting thing that you would tell us to do because you tell us to do it because oftentimes, uh, uh, all the time, it's just not natural. We're natural complainers. But God, I thank you that you call us to be people that rejoice. God, I thank you that you call us to be people that pray. Oh my goodness. We get a seat at the table. What an amazing thing. Help us to grow in that. And God, I pray that you call us to be people that think above and beyond. I personally, I read through this list and I'm just going, man, God, I've got a ways to go here. We all do. You're that amazing. We need to think on you and not the ridiculousness of this world and what it provides. God, I pray that we would be people that rejoice in you, people that pray in you, and people that think on you. And God, when that happens, oh my, we are going to be a people that's all about living for you. May that be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.